Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. This is the third and final part in the, in the series, what we've been doing. And once again, if you've missed the other ones, get the CDs or go on the podcast because they're all kind of building on each other. Week number one, we did God's purpose for our lives and how to find that purpose and live that purpose. Very, very important. And we talked about how we can't find a fulfillment, true fulfillment in our life unless we're living out God's purpose for our life. Then in week number two, we talked about how God prepares us for that purpose. And often it's through breaking, brokenness, which isn't something we would think of preparing us for God's purpose, but that's how God works. He he uses brokenness many times in our life. But now we're going to look at the one purpose we all share. We all have different purposes, but one purpose that we all share that's vital to a full life and a close relationship with Jesus Christ. I made this title, Completing Our Purpose, from Philemon 1.6. Let me pray. Father, I know that each one of us, many times we don't fulfill our purpose for our life. Or we do things, we need to get back in communion with you, which is what this morning is all about, celebrating communion and preparing for that. We need to get back in communion to fulfill that purpose. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would help each of us convict us and cleanse us and and let your Spirit flow through us. So that now we can touch others and also experience that closeness and the joy and the peace and the awesome relationship you want with each one of us through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray it. Amen. Okay, so the purpose we all share, we'll we'll do Philemon 1. We'll start with verse 4 at first and we'll pop down to verse 6 and focus on that. But Philemon 1, 4 through 6 says... I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And once again, we'll focus on verse 6 especially where it says, the, the perp- well, first of all, the purpose we all share is sharing our faith. The purpose we all share is sharing our faith. We've talked about all the purposes and how God prepares us. But the one we know, the common denominator, the purpose we all share is sharing our faith. In fact, let's look at verse 6 again. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Sharing our faith is linked to enjoying the full blessings of our faith. Of, of, share, of enjoying the relationship we have in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say that again. Sharing our faith is linked to enjoying the full blessing of our faith. Something happens. I can't explain it. It can only be experienced. It's one of those things you can't explain. It can only be experienced when we plant a seed of, of sharing our faith. When we plant the seed or we water that seed or if we harvest that fruit of, of sharing our faith, something that's um, just an amazing, I hate to use the word feeling, but it is. It's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing experience. It, every step of the way, and especially when you get the chance to lead someone to Christ. The only thing I could compare it to is being there when your baby's born, you know. And, and if you've ever been there, when, when, a, when your baby's born, ladies, if you've had a baby, you've obviously been there. But if husbands, we were there too, and you're there, and there's just nothing like it. It's just like, I've been there 13 times, and every time it's 
still just as exciting and, and, and still is a, uh, just awesome experience. There's just something about it. And the same thing spiritually. It's not just when we lead someone to Christ, but even when we share our faith or we water someone else's work that they've done. We water that, that, that seed or we get to harvest. There's just something that pumps us up spiritually, something awesome. I heard a saying a long time ago. It says, a witnessing Christian is a happy Christian. And I would say the same thing. A witnessing church is a happy church. And a witnessing youth group is a happy youth group. Something happens. The Holy Spirit moves in a, a special way <clears throat> when that happens. It's just, I can't describe it. I remember one of the youth groups, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And I remember one of my youth groups was um, in Connecticut. I, I inherited this youth group. And, and they had never really witnessed. None of them even thought about it. But I remember we, I challenged them. And the Holy Spirit started to move. And they caught the whole vision of sharing their faith. And they, I mean, they really caught it. And they got excited. And they, many of them witnessed for the first time. First time they even thought about it, sharing their faith. They started to witness and share their faith. And they, they were all so pumped up. And the whole group for about a year, just everybody would come together. And we would pray for people to come. And they would pray for their friends. Then they would invite their friends. And then it was just wild to see how the Holy Spirit was working. Kids were getting saved every week. It was really, really exciting. And I remember the kids were just so focused on it. And, and I remember the kids would bring a friend, and I would see their friend come week after week, and I would always end my lesson with some kind of a gospel presentation. And, and I would see the kids. You could just tell they were, something was lightening up there. They were focused. They were getting it. And I remember... I remember seen different kids ready to accept Christ. I knew they were close. And I would go to the friend who brought them after the youth group. I'd say, your friend's ready to accept Christ. I can see it. I could see their, I could just tell by the questions they're asking, by the things they're saying, by how focused and I think they're ready. I, I, the, the friend would say, yeah, I know, I know. I said, I'll give you one week. One week and then I'm going to do it. So you have one week to pray with them because they're ready. And then they would, the pressure was on, you know, they would go back and they would, and then the next week before you think they come back, I did it, I prayed with them, they were ready, they accepted Christ here, so pumped up. But I would always say, you got one week, because I want to do it, I'm going to have the fun. Then I had this other intern, his name was Jay, he was a pain, pain, well, he was a pain, and he, uh, he, 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 I remember leading him to Christ. He got, became a Christian, became an intern with me, and he just loved to lead people to Christ. And he would always, like, be watching. He's like a, a shark, you know, watching for someone to accept Christ. And I would give these kids a week, and then he would catch them in the parking lot and pray with them and lead them to Christ. And I would go, Jay, you cherry picker, you know. And so I, I used to, you could, you know, we'd give him a heart. You'd let the kids do it. But he, he wanted to be there, you know. He wanted to do it. it was, and that's what the group was like. And it was like, it was... <laughs> So the group was like just so on fire, you know, and it was it was so much fun. And I I just that's the same with the youth group, same with the church, same with an individual. A, a witnessing Christian is a happy Christian. I see Chuck Harrison here. And remember when Chuck loves the witness down the street all the time? Nothing pumps you up more, right? Just pumps him up. But remember when Joan was sick? Joan was sick last year and you couldn't go out. And and how long couldn't you go out for? It was a while, because you had to help her out. She about a month and a half, he, he couldn't go out witnessing, on the, doing his whole evangelism ministry on the streets. And, and, I, and I never saw him so down. It was like a, you know, like a, a, a dog got kicked, you know what I mean? A, you know, he's just so down. You know, he, was, he was so down because, but he was excited because he was ministering to his wife, which he should have done. He was focused on Joan. She was going through a real hard time. But at the same time, I could tell it was just killing him. And all of a sudden, when she started feeling better, Chuck was out there and he was all pumped up again, you know. And, and that's... And, 
that's when he's pumped up. That's when he's excited. That's when he's energized, when he gets a chance to share his faith. And, and I want to encourage you guys, go with him any time. You'll get plenty of chances out there to share with him. But that's what pumps us up. But unfortunately, we let fear keep us from sharing so many times. It's the fear that stops us. It's scary, but you know why it's scary? Because we make it too hard. We make it way too hard. It's just sharing our relationship with God. It's sharing about what Jesus Christ did for us. And it's sharing his love with other people. It doesn't have to be words, but it could just be sharing the love of Christ with other people. That We, we make it way too scary. John 3.16. Where are we? John 3.16. Give me that up there. I hope I don't have to say it, because you should all have it memorized. I do it almost every week, right? John 3.16. For God, all you have to know is this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Just got to be able to explain that. Now, there's, I know there's hard questions and all that stuff that come up, but, but I have a great preparation for you. The Bixels, uh, they just sent me an, uh, uh, this insert last night in the email. and said, can we do this sometime? I said, yes, perfect. Yeah. So it stuck in the bulletin right, right away. And this class they're going to do on June 30th. It's a Saturday, is that right? I don't have the thing in front of me. Um, June 30th, it's going to be an all-day Saturday, and it's a training showing you how to share the gospel with the five fingers, right? Is that right, John and Marialta, the five fingers? Anyway, if you go through this training, this Saturday training with them, you will always remember. You might be losing your memory, forgetting a lot of things, you know, but you, you got five fingers, you can do this, all right? And uh, you could tattoo them, whatever. But, the, but they're going to show you how to share your faith very simply with anybody, and they're going to really focus on that. And once again, also they're going to probably have some Sunday school classes about that. But if you can, if you're interested in this, and even if you're not interested, you should be, if you can make this, uh, see them, sign up. There's a sign up on the back table, and you have the insert, and talk to them. Give a wave just so they know, everybody knows who you guys are. Okay, there you go. And by the way, did, did I mention they had an anniversary? Did I mention that? <laughs> <laughs> they really did finally have their anniversary. Okay, so all right, I kept mixing up their anniversary. But anyway, that's the pixels. So see them because that's the the training, and, and it's a great. You don't just knowing just knowing I have five fingers and I can share the gospel clearly takes away some of that fear. Okay, so that's very very important. It's important that we share our faith, but the biggest impact that we can have is the way that we live our faith. Especially when people see how we handle trials. When they see how we handle things. How our faith helps us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? That's when people really start to see not just how we handle good things, but how we handle hard things. How we handle the unexpected. How we handle that. That's when we, people can really see our faith. Kim was telling me she was with a group of ladies this week, and, and they were talking about trials, and somebody was going through something, and she said it was so sad because none of them had any hope. It was really hard to be there, she said, because they had no way of dealing with their trial because none of them had faith. And obviously, she's hoping that she'll be able to share faith with them. They had no answers. And I think of that versus Jeff and Kim. I, you know, Jeff, come on. I'm going to. Put them on the spot. Come up here for just a second, okay? Can you leave the soundboard for a minute? Come, come here, because Je- I'm, I'm getting these emails and texts from Jeff and Kim. And, and you would think going through... No, I'm going to cry. 
We're the crying brothers here. But, but uh, just, I'm getting these texts, and I'm like, it's like the best thing that ever happened to you guys with what you're going through. Just, just share a little bit of what you just texted me last time. Just to share how God's working there. Um, just, I was telling Chuck how that he had, he had texted me and asked, like, how you doing? And uh, I was, or, or it was an email, I guess, and I emailed him back and was telling, like, doing great. I, Kim's um, feeling real well. Just to let everybody know, she's um, in her second week out of her last treatment. And she'll, uh, her last treatment of the first four, which are going to be, like, some, they were the tough ones. Now she's going on Tuesday for the second series of four treatments. But she feels really good. But I was explaining to Chuck how much God has blessed us through this sickness of Kim's and trial. Um, we have gotten so close uh, as a couple, and the kids have really risen to the occasion. Um, uh, they're all pulling together and doing all kinds of chores around the house that they never did before. Um, the list on the refrigerator helps. <laughs> we, we put one of those up, but they're really doing it with a cheerful heart. And um, it's amazing how since we found out the week before Christmas that Kim had cancer, how God has worked in our lives and manipulated so many things that it blows us away not only daily, but I said to Chuck in the email, I said moment by moment sometimes, how he works uh, other things. Like, you know, we were able to find a home. We had been looking for a home to move into since, like, last summer. All of a sudden, you know, he made a place possible that we found that we enjoy. Um, we're very comfortable with. Everything fit perfectly. Um, and things with the kids in school and Rachel's just graduated her, her uh, beauty school that she went to, and she got a really great job down at a salon in Yardley. Um, and then right away, like, I mean, he's blessing not only Kim and, and myself, but, like, the kids as well, too. Um, it's, just, it's just incredible. It's almost like going through this terrible trial and sickness has brought us closer to God, and he's able to hold us closer to him like we can feel that and it's just really it's really awesome really awesome i mean i could talk about it for another hour but there's been so many miracles it's like it's like almost a daily thing and and sometimes moment by moment and there's no coincidence matt and i were talking about it this morning while mike was rehearsing there is no coincidence there's when when god is in your life there is no coincidence and he actually lets you know sometimes that is him. And it's really cool. So as when you witness to somebody, like it's hard to explain that to somebody that maybe doesn't believe or doesn't want to know. But when you're trying to witness to somebody, you can tell stories like about your personal life and how there's no coincidences. Um, it's really cool. It's really awesome. He's a great God. So. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Right. Thank can you. I go back? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. Wow, huh? That's the difference that faith makes. That instead of, that would just be earth-shattering to someone without faith. But with faith, 
it ends up being a blessing. I'm reading their texts and emails and things. They're happier than I am, you know? And they have more joy than anybody I know. And that's what our, our faith allows us. Our faith allows us. It, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. But the cracks, all those cracks in our life, the grace can shine through that. In Philippians 1.27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus. That's powerful. And then in verse 29 it says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. It's been granted us. It's been given us. as a blessing. That doesn't make any sense until you hear a testimony like we just heard. You can only experience it. It, it, it just, we see God working over and over that way. I just think of in the news this week, Mariano Rivera, known as the greatest closer in baseball, but he's also known as one of the strongest Christians in baseball. And he's been very outspoken about his faith, and you know everybody's watching him. They've been watching him succeed all these years, but now they're watching him go through a trial, a trial of his, of his faith. God, God works that way. I'm going to show you a video here. I was, someone I came across, it was a, a baseball pitcher from Los Angeles, Cl- uh, Clayton Kershaw, great pitcher. And he talks about surrendering to God's plan. And it's not about, he, he makes a good point here. He says, it's not about winning and losing. It's how do I handle that in front of people? And how do I represent Jesus Christ? Let me show this little clip here. I love baseball. I have a huge passion to play the game. I was given a gift to throw a baseball. I didn't do anything to deserve that. I didn't do anything to earn that. I think I'm in the place where I should be right now. Right now, Clayton Kershaw's place is among the game's elite. He's the reigning Cy Young Award winner after leading the National League in wins, strikeouts, and fewest runs allowed. He's the second youngest player in baseball history to achieve each in the same season. The left-handed flamethrower draws frequent comparisons to another Dodger, Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax. Best practical advice Sandy Koufax has given to you? Be a compete. Just, uh, just that word, compete. Um, he was so good at it. When you get out on that mound, your mechanics, your, your pitches, it's just about competing and getting that batter out. And uh, that's really all that matters. To compete, Clayton started throwing with better control of his pitches. The dramatic improvement in Banner's season earned him a new contract extension. Poise and maturity have accelerated his development, but it's the 24-year-old's integrity that's catching league-wide attention. You judge a player, think about his character. And with that young man, the character is great, and his ability is great. And that's, that's something special. It's just, Lord, be with me. Winning and losing isn't the most important thing. Um, he's not, he's not uh, worried about the outcome of the game. He's worried about how I reflect him and I'm, how I'm pitching. I think uh, when you ever, every time you pitch and every time you go on that mound, you have to uh, you know, understand that it's for him. I mean, you go pitch to pitch, batter to batter, inning to inning, 
Where do you find your value? Where do you find your worth? Baseball is so performance-based since what have you done for me lately, and that can get you know a lot of pressure. You can feel that, and but if if, if your life is given to God and you're into Jesus, there, there's really uh, there's really no pressure because at the end of the day, uh, your life's in His control, and you just kind of surrender to that. It anchored his quick learning curve at a young age, adjusting to the demands of pro baseball as an 18-year-old, and then playing to major league expectations at 20. He found practical help when releasing the daily challenges of his new career. I was worried about so many different things, anxious about so many different things, and saying, you know, God's only there when I really need him. But, uh, you know, he's in control of everything, and that's a hard picture for us to grasp, but he's in every aspect of our life, and uh, sooner or later he'll get in there. It's just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time before Clayton married his junior high sweetheart, Ellen. Their marriage has also fused a mission of compassion that's become life-changing. Amazing how far a little dirt can go, and in Clayton's case, it combines two of his worlds, the one right here that's quickly emerging as his platform, and the other as a reminder, a half a world away on the back dirt roads in Africa. Where Clayton has come alongside Ellen's work with orphans in Zambia. The couple detail their trips in their book, Arise. Clayton's donating $100 for every strikeout he throws this season. He gave me baseball, he gave her Africa, and so when I go over there with her, I just see her in her element. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's given me uh, just a huge perspective on life. And, you know, you go over there and you see the kids, and uh, you see how joyful the people are over there. You know, two dirts, uh, one passion, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty special. The Dodgers pitching ace calls baseball a stage, giving him room to make a meaningful pitch. There's got to be more to going to your 9-to-5 job every day or coming to the baseball field every day. There's got to be more to it. There's got to be purpose. There's got to be a reason that we're here, and it's for the glory of God. And I think uh, until you kind of grasp that and understand that this life is a gift and that the only reason we're here is because He wants us to be and uh, living out His faith, living out our faith in Him. I, th I thought that was a great video about what really what we're talking about here, that it really frees us from pressure, doesn't it? We just have to live for Christ. It frees us from expectation or performing or anything. It's just living for Him. Are we focused, as we get ready here for communion, are we focused, fully living our life? Are we sharing Jesus Christ? Remember when we're actually in the book of Mark? Remember back Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Are we, or have we lost that focus? Are we flat spiritually? A lot of times when we're feeling blah spiritually is because we've lost that focus, that that's what we're really all about, what, what Clayton Kershaw was just talking about. I know Kim and I were talking about this recently. We were over at opening day for baseball, and it's like our 15th opening day, and I'm like looking at 10 more opening days, and I'm like, you know, met thousands of these games, and we were like, oh. but then we were like, you know what? God's put us there for a reason. He puts us on that field. That's where he's called us. That's our mission field. Is, is we, we refocused and we got excited and started looking at it not as, oh, I've got to go watch a game, but, but not, which I enjoy, but not T-ball. But anyway, the, uh, the, but it's, it's why we're there. We're there to, to, to minister. We're there to minister. And if we're, if you're looking at, that school play or that co concert or that game is the purpose. Why you're going, 
it's going to be empty. It'll be, oh, why am I doing this again? Why do I got to do this again? But, but if we can see it as a mission field, as, as reaching people that are hurting and, and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with them, instead of empty, it's energizing. And you can apply that to work. You can apply that to your neighborhood. You can apply that to everything we do, right? That seems so empty, but it doesn't have to be empty because we have that Philemon 1-6 focus. It's energizing. There's a reason why I'm here. Even somewhere, somewhere that I don't want to be, there's a reason why I'm there. Do we have that focus? Who is God laying on our hearts to share with? Are we prepared? Are we getting that training with you know, the Bixels? Make sure you sign up for that. Or, or on the job with Chuck. Go on out with Chuck on the job training. As a church, do we have that, keep that focus? We're getting ready to, to send the, the shields out. Not too long. It looks like July. They're at 84% support. Amazing. Miracle, right? 84%. They're right there. Super. But that, why we send them? Because we want to reach people around the world, halfway around the world with Jesus Christ. And, and those who gave to the Philippines camp that, that Mark and Van just put on, awesome. Um, they, they wrote back kids getting saved and baptized. We're going to see a lot of pictures pretty soon. It, it's, it's so exciting to hear. That's all part of what we're doing. The Relay for Life that Diane was just talking about. Why are we out there? It's not just to walk around, but it's to reach out for, and to minister to hurting people. And I hope we have a sea of blue. I will be wearing the t-shirts pretty soon here. But get a t-shirt. I hope we just have a sea of blue just to show up and show people that we care about people that are suffering and going through cancer. The helping hand, you know, I want to say thanks to all the guys, month after month, reaching out and loving people that, that need our help and uh, uh, living out their faith month after month. And once again, Keith mentioned today after church, any of the guys can help out. It would be great. We almost have, uh, almost have the move completed. I just want to close with a story before we do communion about someone who really, really has had this focus. This is, comes from a book called The One-Year Christian History. The one-year Christian history, if you've never, if you don't have that, get it. I'm going to, hopefully, I think Brian's going to get some out in, the, out in the rack out there if they're not there yet. We'll start selling them out there. It's just so good. Every day there's a different story from Christian history that I find so inspiring. And the one from April 15th I saved, because this is someone who knew his ultimate purpose. His name was John Harper. He was born in Scotland in 1872 to a Christian family. I'm going to read it here. When, when he was presented with the message of John 3.16, see other pastors use it too, all right? Uh, John 3.16, at the age of 13, he believed in Jesus and received everlasting life. When he was 18, he had a, a powerful vision of the cross of Christ. At that moment, he committed his life to bringing the message of the cross to others. The very next day, he began to preach in his village, urging all his hearers to be reconciled to God. He made every street corner his pulpit. His desire was to win souls to Christ. His desire to win souls to Christ was unmatched, becoming his all-consuming purpose. An evangelist friend, W. D. Dunn, recalled often seeing Harper lying on his face before God, pleading with him to give me souls or I die, sobbing as if his heart would break. At 32, he had a near-drowning experience when he was caught on a leaky ship in the Mediterranean. He said of the experience, The fear of death did not for one minute disturb me. I believed that sudden death would be sudden glory. 
1911, he spent three months preaching at Moody Memorial Church in Chicago during a revival and received an enthusiastic response. He was asked to return for three months more of meetings beginning in April 1912. Originally scheduled to sail on the Lusitania, he sailed on the Titanic after a schedule change. When he informed his church of his intent to return to Chicago, a parishioner begged him not to go, saying he had been praying and felt strongly that something ominous would happen if he went. He pleaded with Harper, but to no avail. Harper felt that there was a divine purpose for his trip, and Harper went ahead with his plans. The night before the ship sank, Harper was seen leading a man to Christ on the deck. Afterward, he looked to the west and seeing a glint of red in the sunset, he said, it will be beautiful in the morning. Moments later, the Titanic struck an iceberg and the sea poured in. Mayhem ensued as most people struggled to save their own lives. As they loaded the lifeboats, John Harper shouted, let the women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. He then removed his life preserver and gave it to another man. At 2.20 on April 15, 1912, the Titanic disappeared beneath the water. Harper and many others were left floundering in the icy waters. One man who was clinging to a piece of wood saw Harper struggling in the water. Harper shouted, Are you saved? When the man answered no, Harper quoted Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The man did not respond, and they lost sight of each other. A few minutes later, the current brought them together again. Harper asked the same question again, urging the man to believe in Jesus, and received the same answer again. Harper then slipped beneath the water, never to resurface. The man did put his faith in Jesus Christ, and was later rescued by a lifeboat. He testified that he was John Harper's last convert. After the sinking of the ship, relatives and friends of the passengers gathered outside the White Star office in Liverpool, England. As news came in about the passengers, names were placed on one of two lists, known to be saved or known to be lost. The voyage had begun with three classes of passengers, first class, middle class, lower class, but now it was reduced to only two, saved or lost. John Harper's name was placed on the list for those known to be lost. But it was on the saved list in heaven. He says, John Harper faced death heroically and without fear because he never lost sight of the passionate purpose in life to win souls for Christ. Imagine those last horrifying moments aboard the Titanic. If you had been there, what would you have done? As we go to communion this morning, we know communion is worship, but it's also witness. Did you know that? It's not just an act of worship, it's an act of witness. In 1 Corinthians 11, Verse 23, it says this, 23 to 26, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. It's not just worship. It's witness. And as we take this communion today. I want to encourage us to remember Jesus Christ. But also to commit ourselves to being that witness. To sharing the love of Christ. To praying for those chances. And looking for those chances. And and to live out our life in such a way. That that we can take advantage of those open doors. And in just a few moments. We'll have some music playing. And and if you you feel led. You can come up and, and take take the, the, the bread which represents the body of Christ and, and the grape juice which represents the, the blood of Jesus Christ that he gave for us and, and take that and take it back to your seat. You can take it just between you and God. You can share that with your family or friends or somebody here or just by yourself. However God leads, it's just be between you and God. If, if you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, I want to encourage you, don't just wait for next time. This is for those who've put their faith in Christ. We don't videotape. We don't look around. It's just between you and God. Or if there's something in your life that you know is blocking your communion, I would encourage you, don't take it. But I, I hope that whatever is blocking our communion with God will confess that and, and give it to God and get it out of the way and come forward and take the communion. Or if, there's, if we've never put our faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that you do put your faith in, in Christ today. Just like... The, the man in the story with John Harper getting ready to go under put his faith in Christ right there before he was saved he was saved by a boat but even before that he was saved by Jesus Christ by putting his faith in Christ and I pray if anybody here hasn't taken that step of faith and put your faith in Christ I hope you take that step because every one of us are, are like these titanic victims aren't we we forget about that but we're just sailing along in our life Everything looks like it's going great. Not worried about anything focused on entertainment, just like the people on the Titanic. But any moment, our ship can sink, can it? We are one heartbeat away from eternity. We are one breath from eternity, every one of us. Are you ready to see God? Will he be our savior or our judge? The difference is have we put our faith In Jesus Christ. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer. Preparing for communion. Are we ready to commune with God? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for our sin so that we could be forgiven for anything we've done wrong. He took our place. He was our substitute. He handed us his life jacket. And all we have to do is receive it, to take it, to put our faith in him. Right where you're sitting, just say, God, I don't want to sin anymore. I want the forgiveness. I turn away from that sin and I ask you to forgive 
me, to save me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I take a hold of his life preserver to save me. I give my life to Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer, or if you do pray that prayer, then you've just been saved. Saved from judgment, saved from wrath, saved from eternity, separated from God. You've been saved. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you're here with a family member or a friend. or Tell me. Fill out the card, drop in the box, email, call. Tell, tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and encourage you and help you to grow in your new faith. For those of us who've already put our faith in Christ as we go to this time of communion, how is God speaking to us this morning? What's blocking our relationship with God that we need to confess so that we can commune today? What's keeping us from fulfilling our purpose? It could be something good. What's keeping us from fulfilling God's purpose for our life, especially the purpose of sharing our faith. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit upon us in a powerful way as we share communion, but all throughout this week and and for, for the rest of our life, just pour your spirit upon us. Help us to see people like John Harper saw them. Help us to see people like your son Jesus Christ saw them. I pray that you would put that fire in our hearts and let us experience this incredible joy through communion with you. We pray this in Jesus' name.